food to truth for us today. So give her a hand. Amazing. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. I feel like I almost need to start with an apology. The last time we went into our very first lockdown, last March, I was the last speaker who spoke at church. And here I am again, and here we are in the midst of another snap lockdown. So sorry if it's my fault, <laughs> but here we are and here we find ourselves. In um, this, When I was getting ready to finish off this message, I thought, dear me, God has a sense of humour. See, because right up, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about today. As you know, if you've been following along with us for any amount of time, we're in a series of healing hope, unpacking what it is to have hope and to allow that to heal our lives. But today we were going to look at it from the angle of joy is an inside job. Now, how funny is God? Because I bet you at about one o'clock on Friday, when many of us heard the press conference from our premier, we felt anything but joy. Nonetheless, we're going to talk about this morning how joy is an inside job. And in the midst of lockdown, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of great times when it, you feel untouchable, joy is something you need to learn to sustain because it's not just when things are going good that we can be joyful. It is at all times and in all things that we can be joyful. So this morning, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to start with a question. Who likes to be happy? Yeah? yeah. I don't, I've never met anyone who doesn't like to be happy. If you're watching online, I want to see some hands raised in the chat. I want to see a I do or a me. Who likes to be happy? Thumbs up, whatever you want to give me. Think about this next question though. Have you ever found yourself thinking, I wish I was happier? Come on, let's be honest. Some more of those hands up in the chat. Have you ever thought, I wish I was happier? Now, if only I was happier can sound a lot like these statements. Oh, I wish I was married. Oh, if only I had kids. Oh, if only I'd finished school when I was younger. Oh, if only I hadn't taken that job. If only I was thinner. If only I was fitter. If only I had a better car. If only, if only, I wish, I wish. Now, see, the only thing about these if-only cycles of thinking is that they lead us anywhere but towards being happier, right? They usually don't motivate us to get up and do the things we wish we had done in order to be happier. In fact, we end up in this cycle of regret and remorse and failure, and that was never our goal. We wanted to motivate ourselves towards happiness, but we didn't quite get there. Now, I know just from my years of being on the earth that there are experiences that are common to humanity. And asking ourselves this question and wishing this thing for more happiness is one of them. Whether it's right now in your life or at some point in the past, you've said to yourself, I wish I was happier. So what do we do when we feel like this? Where do we go to when we feel like this? You know, the world around us is only too full of good advice, but it's conflicting, of course. You see, our culture agrees we should be happier and we should be doing better. And the minute you type it into Google, how can I be happier? Oh my gosh, the lists. The lists of things you can do. Smile more, exercise, think positively, start to journal. Think of the sad things and then release them. Eat better, sleep better, get out in nature. I bet right now you can start to think of lists you can do to feel happier or to feel better about your life. 
There's one school of thought that tells us happiness comes from external things. Buy all the things, have all the things, get all the things, and then you'll be happier, right? Now, be honest, how many of you are victims to the telemarketing at night and in the back of your closet in a moment of vulnerability, you've bought something thinking, that'll make life better, and there it is, still sitting there, because having all the things and buying all the things didn't make you happier. There's another school of thought that tells us happiness comes from within. Within me? Now, this one's a little bit hard because if we're feeling intrinsically unhappy, how are we supposed to look within to find the happiness that is supposed to be there? So now we're not only unhappy, guys, but we're confused. Having all the things didn't help us. Looking inside didn't help us. How are we going to get happier? What's the truth about happiness and how can we be more happy? Well, firstly, spoiler on today's message. This is not designed to make you feel happier. But today I'm going to share some hope with you. Today I'm going to share some good news with you. Today I believe God is in this place ready and willing to heal us, to unlock fear and insecurity within us and to lead us in a place where we can set our heart on true treasure and find joy. Now, did you notice the change in my language then? I didn't say find happiness. I said find joy. God actually doesn't want to give us happiness. He wants to give us joy. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants you to be happy. He loves to see us happy. But God is much smarter than that than to get us to set our hopes on something that is fleeting and temporary. He wants to us to have joy as a state of being and as a position from where we live. You see, when you have a position, it cannot easily be changed or swayed. If it's a resolve that comes from within, if it's a belief that comes from within, it is not going to change based on external things that you cannot control. And I want to say that it does come from within you today, but not because you have it in you. It is because he places it within us today. See, the world was half right when they said happiness or inner peace or contentment, whatever you want to call it. They were half right when they said it comes from within. But it is not because of anything we do. It is because of who he is. It is because of what he has given us. And when God gives you something, the world around you can never take it away. So today we're talking about joy. And joy is an inside job. So let's address the elephant in the room, shall we? Why don't we have joy? Well, I believe it's because of this. We are content to settle for joy's cheap substitute, which is happiness. We settle for feeling good in the moment instead of doing the hard work to discover that joy can be sustained no matter what we go through in life. Have you ever met those people that no matter what, they seem to still have that spark in their eye? They could be facing terrible things like parents who are nursing terminally ill children, yet they still have hope when they speak and they still look towards the future with anticipation. Or you know those people who have that run of bad luck that it looks like they can never get out of it. They might have lost a partner, lost a business. They might just have lots of little things happen that add up to a really terrible lot of stuff but yet they still have that something about them that they haven't lost their peace and they haven't fallen down that trap of, oh my goodness, everything's terrible and I'm falling apart. 
because those people, I believe, have learned to lean into something bigger than themselves. They have learned that joy is an inside job and they have cultivated that state of being. Does it mean no bad days? No, no, it doesn't. But it means that I have a centre to come back to every single time. Now, happiness is a state of being happy, like mind blown, right? Happiness is the state of being happy. It's pleasure, satisfaction or contentment. And it's usually associated with good luck or fortune. See, happiness is dependent on external factors. Material things, situations, events, other people, things going well. Can we agree that those things are changing and fleeting and can't always be relied on? I mean, if I'm to be the source of somebody else's happiness, not only is that a really big burden to bear, but secondly, I can't always be relied on. I'm a person. And if you're honest, I bet you can't always be relied on either. But let's contrast that for a second with joy. See, joy is lasting inward peace and contentment. And in all the reading that I did for today, it talked about the connection between spirituality and a connection with God when it talked about joy. In fact, I love what psychotherapist Sandra M. Brown says. She says this, Joy comes when you make peace with who you are, where you are, why you are, and who you are not with. When you need nothing more than, than your truth and the love of a good God to bring peace, then you have settled into the abiding joy that is not rocked by relationships. It is not rocked by anything. You see, joy is an inside job today. It is about finding, accepting and living inside of truth. And truth is what sets you free to be joyful. You see, the problem is we aim for the wrong thing. We aim to be happy, but that is not where we want to land today. Joy is where we want to live. We concern ourselves far too much with what others think of us, with what we think of us, with what we have or what we don't have. No wonder our happiness is constantly being eaten at. I guess the question today is, how can we, just as frail humans as we are, how can we get and sustain true life-giving joy, even though we might live in a world that's contrary to it? Well, you see, if joy is knowing the truth and making peace with who you are and who you are not, man, this just excites me so much because it tells me that joy really comes when we open our lives to Jesus, because Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. You see, in, in John 14, Jesus says these words about himself, because he knows who he is and who he's not. He knows what the truth is, and he knows he's able to bring us into the place to know the same. You see, here's what I know about truth and joy. I know this. When we know Jesus, we discover who we are and who we no longer are because the old has passed away and we are new creations in him. You see, that sounds a lot to me, even like our core values here at MCC. We start with Jesus. He is our source. When we discover him, we find out who we really are. You see, when we set our hearts on hope, we experience deep joy. And the more we grow and we lean into joy, that is growing in Jesus and allowing him to work in us, the more hopeful we become. 
And then the more healed and whole we become as people, the less we're swayed by external factors. And we realize, yes, joy is an inside job. You see, the thing about joy is that it works with hope. You know, a couple of hundred years ago, Webster's Dictionary defined joy as this, passion or emotion excited by the expectation of something good. So it tells you there in that very definition that to have joy, you have hope. If you have joy, you can hold on to hope. And if you have hope, what great joy is waiting for you. These two fuel each other's fire, joy and hope. And that's the link that we're going to see today, that when we are pursuing happiness, it is really like that, that Will Smith movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Guys, I'm sorry, but Man, I'd rather be watching the movie titled The Pursuit of Joy because did you see in that movie how many knockbacks he got because he was chasing the things and the stuff? But see, when we set our hearts and our treasure on truth, on something that is unchanging, Jesus, man, when we pursue truth, when we set our treasure on him, then we find hope grows and out of hope, we cultivate joy. So what now? I'm pretty sure I've got you all on board. We're all like, I don't want to settle for a cheap substitute. I don't want this happiness gig. I want joy. How do I get joy? Well, here's what I love about Jesus. He's super, super, super practical. And he's always willing to help us with an inside job, right? And in the book of Matthew, Matthew writes down one of the most famous conversations Jesus ever had while he walked the earth. It's titled The Sermon on the Mount. Now, I was thinking about this and thought, well, if Jesus was around today, where would he have spoken it? Because I'm sure back in the day it was like the Mount, right? So I figured he'd be like the Sermon at the G, right? Pack 100,000 in there and talk to the crowd. So here's Jesus talking and he's teaching at the Sermon on the Mount, or for our purposes today, the Sermon at the G. And the start of this sermon starts with something which is titled the Beatitudes. Now, I'm going to be super honest and say, I think that for many, many years and probably centuries, we've been in danger of, title, of, of using the Beatitudes just to be this cute little Sunday school thing that we teach. They're the Beatitudes, you know, this is how we've got to act as Christians. But we haven't actually taken the time to sit there and unpack and go, what was Jesus saying and how does this apply to me? And I'll be super honest, it's one of those scriptures that I could quote to you, but I never took the time to sit there and go, Jesus, what are you actually saying here? And a couple of months ago, I was just reading as you do, and I'm reading the Beatitudes, and just I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit tell me that inside those verses was healing hope. And I went, great, where is it? And so Jesus said, let's, let's go look for it together. So for the last few weeks, I've been just diving down the rabbit hole. And I don't think I've hit the bottom yet. So you guys are going to get the uncut, unedited, here's everything I think the Holy Spirit's told me version. And you're going to jump in the rabbit hole with me this morning. But here in chapter five, we've got Jesus and he takes a seat on the side of the mountain. And the disciples and the crowd come to him. And then he starts to teach them. You know, before Jesus has opened his mouth, he's already given us the first key on how to have joy. Come to him. Come to him and let him teach you. And Jesus starts to lay down the law. But guys, not like mum and dad do, right? Not like, this is my house and these are the rules if you want to live here. No, he's not like that. Jesus lays down the law in the sense that he gives us the constitution of the kingdom of God. Now that can make you think of rules and regs, but no, in fact, he says, 
guys, I want to give you the keys, the keys to my dad's kingdom. I want you to know how things work in there so that you can come and have fun there too. That's essentially what he's saying. And so he gives us these keys, he gives us this constitution, and he tells us how it operates. And it operates inside the realm of blessing and joy. Jesus wasn't saying, this is how you should behave if you follow me. He was actually answering the question we started today with, the human dilemma, how can I be happy? But in true Jesus style, he was actually really answering the question we hadn't asked yet, how can I have joy? He was asking, he was answering the better question. And this constitution of the kingdom centers around being blessed. Now, our natural thinking goes, blessed equals stuff, right? Wrong. (laughs) Blessed equals happy, right? No. Blessed actually means this, how to live in joy because you attend to the inward state of your heart and come to Jesus. Then we're blessed. A blessed life is one where we sustain joy and therefore we live in hope. That's what a real blessed life is. So let's read these Beatitudes together and then we're going to break them down a little today. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, to clarify here, when Jesus says the words blessed, he's actually saying a mix of the Greek and the Aramaic translations of the word blessed. So makarios, which is Greek, means blissful, a full state of joy. And tawahun, the Aramaic, means blissful as well. It means enriched, but it also means to have the capacity to enjoy union and communion with God. So we put this all together and we get every time you hear Jesus say blessed, he's saying, you find true joy when you are connected to God. And then he throws a statement on the end of it, right? So today we're actually going to look at the first four of these. I'm actually going to kind of give you a bit of a cliffhanger ending today. And I'm going to be back in a couple of weeks to finish off this message with you. So lucky you, you all get to sit there going, she can't finish like that. I have to know the end. And I will be back with the end. But let's, let's, let's get going on what Jesus is saying. Let's lift the lid on joy a little. Let's unlock some truth and let's find out how we can start to sustain it. All righty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can I just say firstly, that doesn't sound like a happy statement. Like who talks like that even? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I mean, we can look at that and sometimes think, I don't speak like that. I can't connect with that. But if we just take a minute and have a look, what is he saying? Jesus is not talking about your bank balance. He's not talking about how much you do have and you don't have when he uses the word poor. He's not talking about the rich and poor in terms of materialism in our world today. He's saying this. 
You find joy when, because remember the word blessed is talking about finding joy. You find joy when you see and acknowledge your deep need for God. He's talking about our spiritual state. He's talking about spiritual poverty. He's talking about realizing I'm just a person. I am just, you know, we, we get told when life ends, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We came from the dust and we're going to go back there one day. We're just people. We're here for but a breath of life and then it's gone like that. We're frail humans and on our own, we don't have very much to offer. It's a state of realising that I am nothing without my creator. It's a state of realising that I need something more than me to be fully whole as a person. So he's talking about seeing and acknowledging our deep need for God. And the realisation for that means that we will then inherit all that God's kingdom has to offer. So you're blessed when you totally trust, when you totally lean on and you totally surrender to God. That's when you're blessed. That's when you find joy. The first point of finding joy is finding Jesus. The first point of finding joy is finding God. It's realizing I can't do it alone. I don't have all that much to offer. But God, with you, whoa, we can do the world together. We can conquer anything together. And it's that state of going as broken as I am, as imperfect as I am. Jesus, I lean back into your arms and then we can inherit all his kingdom has to offer. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now we know that God is near to the brokenhearted. We know that he comforts those who mourn, that he gives beauty for ashes and that he gives joy for mourning. But this isn't actually talking about um, grief or physical mourning in that sense when we experience loss. He's actually, again, talking about spiritual things. And he's talking about mourning because we are grieved about our spiritual state in terms of sin and mistakes and the things we do wrong and, you know, the things that we'll do wrong later because we're all people and we all make mistakes all of the time, right? But it talks about you find joy when you recognise that you have a state before God that isn't all that flash hot. We all have a track record, yeah? But when you can look at that and go, God, I've made these mistakes, but I'm going to allow that to be what propels me into your arms. And in that place, I find comfort. And in that place, I find restoration. In that place, I find healing and wholeness because you are the one who comforts me. Every time I fall, every time I fall short, every time I make a mistake and make no mistake, even if you come back to God in that place right now, give it 24 hours, guys. We'll need to run back into that place again. But his arms are always open to heal and restore and forgive us. You find joy when you are grieved by your sin and you turn to a God who heals, restores and forgives you. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, some of you need to do a spell check on this verse because it does not say blessed are the weak. It says blessed are the meek. And meekness, let me tell you, is absolute strength. It is strength in disguise. See, Jesus is saying here, you find joy when you show gentleness, when you show humility, when you show self-control, when you are one who can keep your inward peace no matter what goes on around you, then you're gonna inherit the entire earth. 
In Psalms 37:11, it tells us, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So here Jesus is talking about one of the keys to joy, one of the keys to operating inside his kingdom is to keep living inside of his Holy Spirit. Hang on, how did you get there? Well, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit or it talks about what your life looks like when the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? It looks like joy, it looks like peace, it looks like patience, it looks like gentleness, it looks like humility, it looks like self-control. These are all the things that living meekly is. Living in meekness is living in strength because it means no matter what goes on out there, I can control one thing and that's what goes on in here. And that's how I'm going to respond. That's how I'm going to react. Now, yeah, at one o'clock on Friday, did I have a, you're kidding me moment when we got put into a snap lockdown? Yeah, I did. But I remembered quickly that no matter what happens out there, I'm in charge of what happens in here. And I'm connected to somebody that can give me the peace I need, that can give me the presence I need. And that is the center I come back to every single time. You find joy. You find joy when you live in meekness. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, Jesus is saying this. You find joy when you hunger and thirst after God. When you really, 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 really want to see him and experience him, then you will be satisfied. You see, in the book of John in chapter 6, Jesus is talking and he says that he is the bread of life. And he says, if you eat from him, you'll never go hungry again. In John 4, he reveals himself as living water. And he said, if you drink from me, you're never going to go thirsty again. Jesus is talking about if you find your joy in him, if you pursue him, if you hunger and thirst after him, you're not going to be hungry anymore and you're not going to be thirsty anymore. In fact, you're going to find everything that you're looking for and you will be satisfied. Now, it's a crazy satisfaction because it's that kind of one where you just can't quite get enough and it becomes an addiction. You know, like that sweet, salty thing? You know when you start at night snacking and you go, I'm going to start on the chips and then you open the chocolate and go, oh, hang on, I need some more chips and then, oh, no, but now I need the sweet again? It's that. It's that. Yeah, I'm getting some amens in the room. It's that. It's that I'm loving it and it's satisfying me, but I just can't get enough. That's what it is. It's that hunger and that thirst and you will be filled and you will be satisfied, but you will always be wanting for more. Now, you see, what I love about the Beatitudes as I started to look at them is that Jesus is so super practical. He doesn't just give us these statements, but I believe he gives them in order. And I believe he gives them in order on purpose. You see, we start with where joy begins. We start with Jesus. We start with God. You see, he is the source of all joy. And then we come into surrender. When we discover him, we, we have the opportunity to surrender and lean into him. And then that discovery of Jesus and looking at our own state going, I'm a little broken and I need to be put back together, leading us to repentance. And then repentance empowers our lives to live in his strength. And we start to get the fruit of the spirit. Remember that meekness, that living in self-control and humility. And then we've got to live in this continual pursuit of Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed on him. Now, if we keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and finisher of our faith, we're going to grow in hope. And what does hope cultivate? Joy. 
So this morning we're looking at, we're looking within, the world was half right, but it's not within because I had it already. It's within because I recognized, God, you're what I need. And God, I'm going to lean into you. And then God places within us hope, joy, peace, all those things we need. And we start to learn to cultivate it by continually pursuing him. You know, Jesus loves it when we're happy, but he's most concerned with the state of our joy and how we are with him. So I believe this is the question he's asking us this morning. Will you choose to pursue joy over happiness and see the difference that it makes in your life? Will you stop running after the things that don't really matter and start to set your heart on things that do matter? Will you give up your feeble attempts to make your life happier and, or chase what you think is within you that isn't really there? Will you choose not to let the media, the news, your phone, your family, relationships, your job, whatever it is, don't let those things be the thermostat of your joy, but let Jesus be the centre of your joy. Discover its true source. You see, this morning I want to remind you, what we've been talking about is that joy starts with meeting Jesus, discovering the truth about who he is, who he says you are, who he says you no longer are because the old things are gone and the new things are here in him. And because we have, off, because we have acknowledged our deep need for him and surrendered to him, that's where we find joy. So this morning, guys, come on, let's make a decision. Let's choose joy. Let's choose lasting joy over fleeting happiness. And the way we do it is to choose Jesus. Thanks, Kelly.